1: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
2: I'm Jesse Bayless.
1: And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing Just Before Dawn, released November 27th, 1981. It was written by Mark Arrowitz and Jeff Lieberman, based on a story by Jonas Middleton, directed by Jeff Lieberman, and released by Picture Media. Writer-director Jeff Lieberman has said that despite comparisons to Texas Chainsaw Massacre or The Hills Have Eyes, his main inspiration came from Deliverance. Though the working title was The Tennessee Mountain Murders, probably to capitalize off the success of Texas Chainsaw, the title was later switched to The Last Ritual and finally Just Before Dawn. All the money for the production was raised by pre-sales, the Canon Films model, by claiming George Kennedy and Linda Blair were attached. Lieberman had intended the story as a survivalist thriller, but producers were enticed during pre-production by the success of Friday the 13th to force many more kills into the script. The film was shot in Silver Falls State Park in Oregon, and one day they experienced a mild earthquake on set, which turned out to be the eruption of Mount St. Helens. The film's gore effects came courtesy of Matthew Mungle, who had previously worked on Roar, where all the blood was real, so I don't know. (laughs) And later on The Dorm That Dripped Blood. Universal was briefly interested in distributing to emulate Paramount's success with Friday the 13th, but eventually backed out. It was instead given a regional release by mini-distributor Picture Media. In Germany, it was released as Blutig Dämmerung or Bloody Dusk, and the French title was Survivance, as a half-assed reference to Deliverance.
0: (laughs) But is Survivance a French word? (laughs) No, it's It's, not an anything word. It's not an anything word.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, Was this a Video Nasty?
1: No, it wasn't. It was obviously followed by Before Sunset, about 10 years later, and Ethan (laughs) Hawke and Julie Delphi (laughs) return to reprise the lead roles, unless I'm mistaken. Uh But I think that's correct. We open with sunrise over an Oregon forest and an ominous bird whistle in the score. We cut to an old church with a hole in the roof deep in the woods. This was actually built for the production, which is why the tombstones in the yard are engraved mostly with the members of the Logan family, who we will meet later. We get a POV shot through the hole in the roof, looking down on two hunters exploring the abandoned structure. The POV tilts up to reveal a pickup truck with a deer carcass on the hood out front. Inside, one of the men tips up the lectern and pretends to preach to his friend, or his nephew, I guess, who is prying loose the candle holders from the walls, because I guess he's just going to try and sell them. Mm. The preacher, Ty, notices a man looking down on them through the hole and is suddenly speechless. He tries to bring it to the attention of his nephew, Vachel, but it's already gone. Vachel. Vachel. <laughs> Vachel I, is this person's name. I,
2: I couldn't figure out what he was saying at first.
1: I want to see a movie. I'm, I'm going to write a horror movie, and the cast is going to be Abigail and Vachel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of people with names that are not names.
2: But also, this is like one of those situations where he looks up at the hole, and he sees the, the what presu- well, looks like a person staring back yeah. at him, right? He never takes his eyes off of it and tries to get Vachel's attention. But when Vachel looks up, it's not there. It's like, well, he would have you seen... You would have seen
1: it duck down. Yeah. yeah. And you also would have heard him scrabbling down the roof. Yeah. Ty sneaks around the building looking for the man who was on the roof and is narrowly missed by their empty pickup truck rolling down the hill and exploding when it collides with a tree. Ty calls to Vachel still in the church, but before Vachel can reach the door, it closes in front of him, revealing a huge man inside the church with a serrated machete, and he stabs it straight through Vachel's crotch and out his ass. Oh, Oh yeah, this one was rough.
2: That that is a solid kill shot. Yeah,
1: and if this was going to be on a video nasty list, this would be the reason (laughs) why. Because then he drags the serrated edge back through all the butt blood.
2: (laughs) You, you, You just that's just, you just bleed out infinitely. It's basically empty.
1: Yeah. We cut to a 1973 GMC motorhome cranking Blondie's heart of glass and suddenly veering off the road into the Oregon wilderness. Do you guys recall the last time we saw a GMC motorhome? The last time it was a 76 and not a
0: 73? Uh,
2: No. Richard. Was it the EM-50 urban assault vehicle? It was.
1: The Stripes Mobile. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I recognize it whenever I see it because it's sort of like bubbular. Sorry. It's it's very rounded edges.
0: You threw me off with the years. I thought I was thinking for a 70s film.
1: Oh, sorry, yeah. Behind the wheel is Greg Henry as Warren. His girlfriend Constance is in the passenger seat. And strewn about the rest of the vehicle are Jonathan, Megan, and Daniel. Daniel is a photographer and takes a picture of a pair of filthy children climbing around an old wreck of cars on the side of the road. Daniel makes note that they are twins and mentions they keep seeing twins up here and his friends blame inbreeding. Is that a Mm. symptom of inbreeding, twins? Well,
0: twins, I mean, twins can be genetic, um, so they can run in families. But I don't think
1: inbreeding causes twins.
0: I don't think so, but 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 if it is genetic and you keep, inbreeding those the chances are going to go up yeah
2: (laughs) also daniel the fifth wheel of this group yeah poor guy is this like no yeah he's jonathan's
1: brother but he came along for the trip just to take pictures i guess yeah
2: it's like this isn't this isn't a fun trip for you no
1: we cut back to ty racing terrified through the woods as the motorhome continues down the dirt road, a deer head suddenly slaps <laughs> against the windshield as though they hit it. But it does not look like they hit yeah, a deer. no, not at all. The window is cracked, but when Warren gets out to look for it, it's nowhere to be found. He notices motion in the nearby bushes, but returns to the car. He tells Constance that the deer must have run off. We hard cut to a close-up of a horse and then inside the home of forestry ranger Roy McLean, played by George Kennedy, performing surgery at his desk. But as the camera rotates around him, we see he's operating on a plant. He's trying to graft two plants together, and his horse is freaking out in the yard. He tells it to shut up until he sees what set the horse off. Warren's motorhome rounds the bend, and Roy tries to give them directions out of town, but they explain they're here to locate some land that one of them just inherited. That deed don't mean nothing. That mountain can't read. He does his best to warn them out of the area. At least tell me where you're going, so that when you don't come back, I'll know how to fill out the report. Silver Lake. Turns out Silver Lake was a lie to keep the ranger out of their business.
0: Yeah, it's too full of hipsters.
1: As they continue down the road, Daniel asks Warren to pull over because he saw a person out there. Well,
2: well, as as they're pulling away, uh, Roy continues to like yell at them. Like it's like it's not like I doesn't try to warn, I'm not just spinning yarns or something like yeah. that. like it's like
1: harbingering as hard as he can.
2: <laughs> that's what I put. I put harbingering.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harbinging is that a thing? As they continue down the road, Daniel asks Warren to pull over because he saw a person out there. I probably wouldn't pull over for that. Nope. But while they search the bushes together, Constance is suddenly grabbed by Ty, still drunk from the attack and raving about his encounter with the heavyset murderer, who he is for some reason describing as a demon. It's like, just a dude, just a guy with a knife. Mm -hmm. Just call him a guy with a knife because demon makes you sound crazy.
0: But also he didn't really see him.
1: Right. Well, I mean, he saw him come out of the place and, like, put on Vachel's vest. Oh, I guess that's true. yeah, yeah. Jonathan and Warren make an executive decision to leave the guy here because he seems drunk and crazy, and they don't want him in their van. They advise the man to stick to the road, and they drive away. He chases the van for a bit, but then he notices the demon following him has latched onto the back of their motorhome. He has a laughing fit in the middle of the road, and they drive out of sight. Somehow, nobody notices the giant man through the window climbing up the back of their vehicle. Sometime later, the motorhome parks snugly between a pair of trees, and the campers disembark. It's like this is where the road ends because the yeah. car barely fits any further.
2: Yeah, it's also like spinning out. It's yeah, like, you, you, don't you, park here. Yeah, you do realize <laughs> that you're going to have to leave at some point. Yeah, that's
1: it, folks. End of the line. We should be on the property, but we're going to have to hoof
0: it from here. Right as they're leaving, uh, one of the guys walks back into the motorhome, and at that point, the uh, our crazy killer man is like literally like leaning down in front of the window, and then like gets back up, and it's just like, why would he choose that moment when they're getting in or out to to cross over the window? Because
1: yeah. luckily, unless you're trying to be seen, but right
0: luckily now. this guy was just kind of looking down for something, yeah. and didn't notice this guy, but he was doing it right when the guy was walking in.
1: Later, we see them hiking under a waterfall, and one of them remarks on how it's actually ludicrous for anyone to believe they own a piece of nature. Warren and Jonathan head back for one more load of camping supplies, and they leave Daniel the nerd with the girls, Constance and Megan.
0: They didn't even check behind the waterfall. There's usually treasure chests back there.
1: I know. I mean, they get more chances. We jump cut to a roaring fire between tents sometime later and it seems like everything went according to plan at the camp except Warren and Jonathan haven't returned yet. It seems like they left on purpose so they didn't have to do any of the work. Mm. (laughs) Because, like, the tents are all built, the campfire's made, everything's done. They literally come back with one bottle of wine. That's all they got for that trip.
2: Well, they said someone broke into their car.
1: The campers search the pitch black around them for their friends and suddenly they hear some twigs crunch. They call out to the noise in the dark and it scampers all around them. Megan loses her temper and grabs a knife before shouting into the night. All right, who is it? What do you want? Of course, it's their friends playing a trick on them, and they jump out and blow their rescue whistle to freak everyone out. Unfortunately, we learn here that before they made it back to the camper, someone broke into it and took most of their food. They assume it was the drunk old man. The guys accuse Daniel of pissing himself with fright and he accidentally checks his pants giving himself away. The girls don't think it was funny and Warren claims Jonathan made him do it.
0: Jonathan made me do it. The devil made you do it.
1: <laughs> do you guys recall the last time somebody claimed the devil made me do it? Uh,
0: The devil and Dean Devlin?
1: <laughs> the devil and Dean, Dean Devlin? De- Dean not, Devlin? That's not
0: what I meant. What is his name? He's rolling Max, Max Devlin.
1: <laughs> the devil and Dean Devlin. The devil made me write that movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> max definitely was that no, that no, wasn't the that answer one. it's much more okay. recent than that oh
1: i'll give you a clue here's the full line he says
0: the, the devil made me do it and, uh, i mean that rabbit made me do it oh it's the looney tunes movie yeah so uh. yeah okay
1: the next morning constance confesses to warren that she was terrified of their prank last night she wishes she could have taken action like megan did warren assures her it was just a joke and it's not a reflection of who she is The weird warbling bird calls we've heard so far seem to morph into the singing of a young girl. They follow the voice to a lake beneath the waterfall and find a stranger swimming there. All five campers sneak up on the girl before calling out to her, and she runs away. (laughs) For some reason, they assume she's scared of the camera and not the five strangers who Mm -hmm. just snuck up on her. As the campers leave for another hike, we notice another person following them down the trail, stepping on their litter behind them. They sneak along a narrow trail over the top of the waterfall and come to a rope bridge. Daniel expresses a reservation to cross but Warren insists it's safe based on literally nothing.
2: Yeah. And so this is supposed to be private property,
1: right? right. This could be a 100-year-old bridge.
2: Yeah, I mean because we don't know all the details about how he came, oh, you know, if if this property was maintained before it right. became his or or I mean there's a there's a forest ranger, but he might just be like up there for like fire watch kind of thing. Right. You know, like we don't know what if it's like national park territory. But this bridge is pretty elaborate for for just like a homeowner.
1: Yeah, totally. A wider shot seems to indicate that a fall from this bridge would send the crosser over a very tall waterfall. Warren calls Connie across the bridge next to help her regain some of the confidence she lost the night before. Daniel slips and nearly falls, but eventually they all make it across. Later, we see all five of them sitting on the steep, slanting walls of the mountain around the waterfall lake. One by one, they all hurl themselves carelessly downhill toward the water.
2: But they all have cameras.
1: Yeah. Like it's like don't This is dangerous for camera. so many reasons. There could be rocks in this stuff. But these people are all kind of like stunt performers in addition to being actors. Like they're doing their own stunts here cuz they didn't have budget to pay stunt people for mm. this, but they they have stunt credits beyond this film. Sometime later, Megan is swimming in the water and whips off her bra to throw it at Jonathan who wraps it around his head. As usual, the topless day on set was the most crowded, even beyond the cast and crew since word had gotten to the local forest rangers who showed up in droves that day. <sighs> Constance tries to lure Daniel and Warren away from the sight of Megan's boobs to rekindle the fire. The actual fire. fire. (laughs) Campfire. They're roughhousing in the water, and for a moment Jonathan pretends to have drowned. As she screams for him, he floats to the surface and then laughs at her. While they play this game, we see the demon sneaking up on them. Jonathan disappears under the water. When the giant wilderness man starts groping Megan all over, she assumes it's Jonathan until she notices him climbing out of the water on the shore of the lake. She tries to tell him there was someone else here, but as quickly as he appeared, the man has vanished. While she panics to Jonathan, Warren urges them both to come back to camp to eat. I was in the water and I felt a hand and I saw you on the shore and so the hand wasn't you! Oh, no, it was not Jonathan, there's someone in that lake, and it wasn't you! Calm down. We cut from here back to forestry ranger Roy McLean attending to his plants again. Outside, he can hear his horse freaking out again, so he apologizes to the grafted plant, Lucille, so he can attend to the animal, Agatha. Lucille here is likely an intentional reference to the character from Cool Hand Luke, who the men in the chain gang, including George Kennedy, watch washing her car one day. Oh, my Lucille. Outside, he finds the horse, Agatha, was actually responding to the crazy drunk man, Ty, now drinking out of her trough. Ty tells the ranger that the demon killed his nephew, Vachel. He worries it'll go after the kids next.
2: He... <laughs> <laughs> I just want him to say, I'm sorry, what, what was your nephew's name? What, say that again. V- Vachel. I feel like saying, I'm hearing it wrong. Are you saying Rachel?
1: Are you pronouncing an R as a V because it kind of looks like a V? I
0: just looked up Vachel
1: because I was like,
0: it, it is a name
1: um exclusively in one <laughs> county of oregon <laughs>
0: this this according to dictionary.com vachel is a name it's a based on a latin word meaning little cow
1: well, that makes <laughs> sense this vaco is cow in spanish right Piche de vache. whatever
0: <laughs> but it looks, de vache. I, think, I think it's vachel maybe
1: well the guy keeps saying vachel Okay.
0: Well, you know, he's reading it for the first time, same as we are.
1: Yeah. Ty describes the demon as a large man, bigger than the ranger. Back at the camp, a dance party breaks out. Megan starts dancing with Daniel, the brother of her boyfriend, and he laughs it off. Then she starts gyrating on Warren until his girlfriend, Constance, steals him away to dance with.
2: She sure uh, seemed to forget about the hand that was attacking her real
1: quick. Yeah, she's over it. The moment ends abruptly when someone shoots their boombox, ending the interminable music, and the girl from the lake appears with her father and a woman young enough to be her mother or sister. Dad has a shotgun. He warns them to skidoot off the land or (laughs) risk waking the devil. They assure him they have a deed to the land, and he doesn't care, and disappears back into the woods with his wife and family.
2: Uh, I do love the word skidoot. Yeah,
1: I told you to skidoot. Constance seems to agree they should never have come out here. We cut to Ranger Roy looking for the kids. He tells his horse he's half a mind to leave him out here and fucking die.
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, like like, like, at this point, it's entirely their own fault. Yeah, not leaving. Just like your car's broken into. Mm -hmm. There was a crazy drunk man on the road. uh, The 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 forest ranger who lives here says, "Don't go up there."
1: I said, "You're going to die multiple times." You're basically random
0: dude in a lake. Like, go home, guys.
1: This is an ocean gate mission at this point. You guys, (laughs) you guys knew the risks. The next morning, Megan tells her boyfriend Jonathan that raccoons stole her makeup, and then she asks him to go look for it in the woods, and he agrees to. It's like, raccoons took all my makeup, go get it back. It's like, Great, I'll go to the raccoon house.
0: Does I mean, does she does she actually mean raccoons?
1: That's what she says. They stole the eyeshadow. It's not gonna do
2: anything for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you gotta put a white base down and then What if work. they're
1: always stealing eyeshadow?
0: <laughs> oh my god. But at this point, do you want to use makeup raccoon. that raccoon yeah. used?
1: <laughs> Jonathan goes to wash his face in a stream and is surprised by the same girl now with Megan's makeup smeared all over her face. It looks like she had Homer's shotgun set to horror. <laughs> <laughs> he laughs at first and she tries to hide, but then he calls her back to compliment it. She says she saw him swimming naked and she liked it and he asks if her sister liked it but she says that wasn't her sister, it was her mom I'm guessing she's both (laughs) (laughs) She introduces herself as Mary Cat Logan which is spelled in the credits M-E-R-R-Y Cat like C-A-T Logan. They kiss but he warns her against it. No, no, we don't want to get Paul upset now, do we, huh? She walks away and he begins following her through the woods She almost crosses the rope bridge but then chickens out. There's
2: nothing to be afraid of
1: Just as he crosses it, Jonathan comes face to face with the demon man blocking his path. The man slices at Jonathan's arm with the machete and as he retreats across the bridge, the man chops the rope handrails down and Jonathan plummets to the river below. He wedges himself against the rock wall to keep from going over the falls and blows his whistle incessantly to call for help. Back at the camp, Connie hears the whistle but they don't go looking for him on purpose. Daniel says that he'll take photos and if he sees him he'll send him back to camp.
0: What's the point of this stupid whistle?
1: Yeah. yeah, and why is it only like one of the guys has it? Like yeah. the most physically capable guy gets the whistle, and everyone else is just like, "Great, we'll save you if well, something happens."
2: Well, I can see if if you go off on a if you go off alone to have the whistle, right? Like I, I'm gonna go off by myself. Let me have the whistle. It's
0: their own fault for yeah. blowing it as a joke at the beginning, anyway. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Jonathan climbs the rope with his machete sliced palm and keeps losing his grip.
2: Nobody can climb a rope. It's physically impossible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the machete man scampers away from his side of the bridge and just as Jonathan finally reaches the top of the rocks on the rope, he comes face to face with a muddy boot that kicks him over the edge and sends him splashing down in the river.
0: It seems weird that they would do this if the goal was to kill him. Like, send him over the falls instead.
1: I guess. That's kind of funny though. I get it if you're like, it's the same as like just throwing a stick over a waterfall. You're like, oh, I just want to see it go over.
2: Well, at first, I thought, well, if it, if it was this easy to get around, why have the bridge at all? But thou but then, then later later.. Like, uh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Despite this being arguably the best set piece in the film, producers suggested taking it out at the script stage to save money. Lieberman wouldn’t budge, and the scene became the centerpiece of the poster and nearly all the advertising efforts. Daniel, on his photo hike, comes across the church from the start of the film and pushes his way inside. He walks completely through the building, somehow missing a hand sticking up from the pews. He sets his glasses down as he moves through the room blind, <laughs> and we get an insert to indicate he has left them here. And it's like, where are you going? You just put yeah. your glasses down. Did you forget? Because that seems impossible if you literally can't see without them.
2: Especially if you're going to start taking pictures.
1: Yeah. I want to see these pictures. They're
0: all blurry because he corrected to his vision. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Nice and clear. (laughs) Daniel is suddenly surprised by Megan and they head outside to escape the terrible smell in here. Elsewhere in the river... (laughs) Is it the pews? (laughs) (laughs) P-U. Elsewhere in the river, Warren teases Connie with a fish that he seems to have snagged right out of the water with his hands. They kiss a bit until Jonathan's body comes tumbling down the waterfall behind them. Warren drags his friend to shore and administers CPR, but it's too late. He has drowned. Connie shares theories, and Warren doesn't want to hear them.
0: He was murdered, wasn't he?
1: You don't know that. He was calling for help. You don't know that. Back at the cemetery outside the church, Megan poses as a corpse with a flower in the adjacent graveyard. Daniel realizes he's lost his glasses and thinks that he sees his brother coming through the tree line.
0: can't see anything without my glasses. Hey, wait a minute, listen. He wants to play games? Why? Okay,
1: let's play. Megan invites Daniel to kiss her and make Jonathan jealous. This is a terrible idea, (laughs) especially if that's actually my brother coming. Yeah. Daniel watches the shape approach them angrily from the woods, but it's very clearly not Jonathan, even in the blurry POV we get from Daniel. He still seems to think it is, though, right up until he gets a machete to the guts. Daniel collapses quickly, and the demon chases Megan back into the church, where she eventually finds the body Daniel missed earlier. The demon tears the machete out of Daniel's chest and picks up the kid's camera. Megan watches him wander aimlessly about the yard with the camera, and then suddenly, another demon is sidling up behind her. Another set of twins, the terrible machete murderers. The brother outside takes a bunch of photos rapid-fire while the inside brother moves to attack Megan against the window frame and she collapses to the floor screaming. Back in the woods, it's just Connie and Warren now. They find the camp abandoned. Warren suggests locating the old people that shot their boombox for help. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> talk to those people. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to help you. As far as I know, they killed my friend. Like wouldn't that be your number one suspect? Would, yeah. If you he- think that he got murdered?
2: yeah wouldn't your first instinct be go let's go to the forest ranger yeah to get help
1: they find a shack and ma and pa logan they ask what devil they were warned about raising and the old folks don't want to elaborate so warren and connie disappear into the woods again mary cat watches the interaction from inside the shack they make camp again that night and connie insists all their friends must be dead and it's time to go warren says he's going to go get the camper but daniel and megan will be here soon for sure She doesn't believe him, and I'm not even sure Warren believes what he's saying now. Warren searches around the river for where he left Jonathan's body with the keys, but he's been moved. Warren carries a lantern around until he finds Jonathan's body, now wearing Daniel's glasses, and leaned against a tree. Warren leaves for the camper just as the ranger rides up on a horse to the Logan shack. They're characteristically unhelpful, but Mary Cat can't keep her mouth shut and let those kids die. She bursts out the door to report what she's seen.
0: I've seen them. Down by the lake, I've seen can can't get in here.
1: Listen, there may be a murderer loose up here. If you know anything, you... No, sir.
2: She ain't seen nothing.
1: After the ranger leaves, we can hear Mary Cat getting slapped around. She says the devils in the woods killed her mama and they can't let it happen again, suggesting that her sister stepped into the role of mother after that. She runs after the ranger to lead him to the campers. Connie sits by herself beside the fire and hears the rescue whistle blowing. She moves around to investigate a bit. She assumes Warren is pranking her again because apparently he's a goddamned monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our friends all died. Eh, Perfect time for a prank. She'll never expect it. She sits back down by the fire, and one of the demon brothers comes out with the whistle in his mouth and practically sits right next to her before she notices. She runs full speed through the plants and notices the second brother watching her and taking more pictures.
2: But you're never getting a good picture
1: in this low light. Right. Foolish. She climbs high into a tree, and the demon brother below hacks at the trunk with his machete. Ah! Ah! Mary Cat leads the ranger to a shuffling bush, And Ranger Roy points his gun, but Warren comes flying out right at the man and luckily doesn't catch Buckshot in the face. Mary Cat sneaks away while Warren reports to the ranger that he lost his lantern somehow, and Connie is out there alone. It's like, doesn't it glow? Isn't it nighttime? (laughs) How did you lose it if it wasn't out? We cut back to the tree, and the demon is still chopping away as she screams for Warren the shot of the tree eventually going down is actually pretty spectacular because there's clearly a girl holding on for dear life to this tree and she falls all the way to the ground before letting go I wasn't I wasn't totally sure how they got this at first I thought yeah. they were tipping the camera to make it look like the tree was falling over but in the wide shot you can tell it's actually her and then she scrambles out from underneath it and the maniac chases her through the plants slapping her ass with his machete and right when he catches up with her for the killing stab a gunshot rings out <laughs> and he falls forward dead on top of her with a bullet hole in his forehead. The ranger lowers his gun, and Warren creeps silently forward to shift the dead man off of her and help her to her feet. Ranger Roy turns the body over and decides this freak of nature is the result of backwoods inbreeding.
0: Keep breeding in the same family long enough, something's bound to snap. I guess that's what the old man was hiding.
1: The ranger tells them again to get the fuck out of town.
2: What about our friends? send somebody up after their bodies
1: they're not dead they're not dead take it easy son take it easy megan and daniel they're not dead warren slowly packs up the camp while connie emerges from a tent with her hair brushed out and makeup fully done for some reason you never know who you might run into up here i guess some of them are kind of cute honey are you okay yeah <laughs> what is going on here
2: they're, I, I feel like they're both in severe states of shock yeah
1: but she is super horned up all of a sudden warren smiles like this made sense to say and they are startled by a twig snap in the darkness warren is sure it's danny and i'm wondering why they ever let the ranger with a gun leave them alone here <laughs> it's like why don't you make him walk you back to the mm-hmm. camper He tries to comfort Connie that everything's gonna be okay now that they killed the killer and suddenly one of their tents collapses. He makes fun of her tent popping prowess, but when he tries to fix it, the other killer bursts out of the woods and stabs him. Connie goes fully feral, leaping on the giant's back and biting his face. The man tries to squeeze her to death and Warren watches helplessly from the ground, but then she leaps back onto the killer Tears at him with her fingernails and then jams her hand fully down his throat.
0: What, <laughs> what is happening here?
1: I don't know.
0: Okay, so question. Yeah. Unless you, Sorry, unless you had boar first. I don't. Okay. <laughs> question. So I know after we watched this, you said, I think we watched an edited version.
1: No, that was a different
0: That movie. was Don't Go in the Woods. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. I rewatched this section. Mm-hmm three or four times and i'm yeah. like what did i miss i must have blinked i must have missed something why is she shoving her hand down his throat like that's a solution here
1: how is she doing it i oh. don't know how they did this shot because it doesn't look like a prosthetic when she's got her arm in his mouth on I, the ground. he
0: probably just had a big mouth that she had a tiny hand they're like mm-hmm. go for it do you it. think
1: that's what they did
0: i don't know it sure as hell looked like it
1: it <laughs> looks insane it looks really good
2: yeah. well was, there was that guy who could put like pool balls in his mouth you
1: know
0: but i'm also wondering just like how this kills a man
1: (laughs) well do you remember uh the last time that we discussed if you're in the wilderness and you get attacked to grab a hold of something's tongue to protect yourself
0: bear or something
1: yeah it was a bear specifically in that conversation yeah do you remember the last time we talked about that
0: Uh, was it don't go in the woods
1: no heaven's gate oh Jeffrey Lewis was like,
0: you know, bear's tongue. Yeah, he's
1: like, yeah, you just gotta hold on to his tongue there, and he can't get you. And he's like, well, what happens when you let go? And he's like, kills you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
2: I, my mind was going. It was like, was was that one of the. Teehee's He's advice
1: about the crocodiles. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would, that would work too, though. No, those things that just bite your arm off if you grab yeah. their tongue.
0: Well, honestly, I don't know why he's not just biting down in her I arm. I mean, he doesn't have
1: enough leverage. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. He can't even start moving his jaw because it's pre- it's pulled out tight by her arm. Yeah, it's probably
2: unhinged. It, yeah, he's probably completely
1: uh, dislocated. And so, does she
0: just like block his airway with her so. fist? I think so. I think
1: she's fully choking him to death oh by by putting her hands down his throat even further than he would be able this to breathe is through his nose. Just yeah. talking.
2: I mean, about and it. she may we. we she has in her hand and a fist when it comes out, but she may have, like, had her fingers out. Stop, stop, stop.
1: <laughs> she oh, might even be just popping out of his butt a stop. little
2: bit.
1: Stop! It's <laughs> just stop. a little bit.
2: <laughs> I was like, she just her hand. I was like, I had a ring on. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh, when I was watching, I was like, I was like, I just went, Jesus Christ, watching. <laughs> it was not. No, it's
1: very disturbing.
2: Because, like, this movie is really ho-hum- Yes. yeah it. it is but then that happened and i just woke right yeah. up yeah it's,
1: it's really the fucking <laughs> ass stab and and the throat punch are the two <laughs> from craziest the inside. Yeah, yeah, from the inside
2: i was gonna send you so many like simpsons clips in regards to this which ones so i had mole man getting hit in the groin and goes ah my groin <laughs> and old then,
1: man getting hit by football
2: and then was this principal skinner is like no one can climb a rope it's physically impossible <laughs> but then this one was um, planner's going I'm insisting on a fisting and and finished goes what's this about a fisting
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah that's ridiculous but yeah unless she actually stuck her hand in his mouth I don't know how they're getting the shot because it looks really good obviously it's a prosthetic when she's putting it in yeah but in the, in the shots after that, unless she's like just bending her arm covertly off camera, it looks really good. She smiles because she's so happy to have proven herself and another rustling in the bushes distracts her. Mary Cat pops out and sees what Connie has done and then runs away again. Warren cries and the camera tilts up to the sky before credits roll over a shot of the setting sun. The end. Setting or rising? I think it's setting now. Maybe it is rising. Because it's just before dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's on the same side as it was at the beginning of the movie. When it was rising. Um, Yeah. So that's the movie. Uh, Earlier drafts involved a sixth camper named Eileen, uh, a different death for Megan where she gets thrown off a cliff, and Connie was forced to marry one of the twins.
2: (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) So that's like a much more complicated subplot that we didn't even begin to delve into.
2: Well, um, because I was thinking about that with uh, Mary Kat. Yeah. When she said they killed her mom, I was like, Oh, she she's not even part of this family. She's just some camper who was up here with her family. They killed her family and they just took her in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so that would that would that would go along with that. Yeah. Like they just they kill everyone else and now now you're a part of the family. Yeah.
1: And, or it's like the island where they're just like, We need new DNA. Yeah. <laughs> so you come in here and breed with us because otherwise are the next the next crew might not have legs. <laughs> Um, yeah what do you what do you guys think uh, thumbs on this one?
0: Oh, it's a it's a thumbs down I'm sorry but but punching in the the interior throat and and stabbing in the crotch is just not enough to save a movie
1: yeah I, I do feel like it's it's really not enough and um, I feel like they probably went light on the kills because they were hoping for that universal contract mm. and and that might have actually cost them the contract because if it had been a little more gruesome I think they might have stuck it out yeah I mean thumbs down for me but literally one of the campers dies from just drowning. Yeah. He just Falls in water and then falls off a waterfall. I mean,
2: it is, it is a tense scene because he's trying to climb a wet, wet rope when he's injured. Yeah. Um, but
1: like Megan's death is off camera. Like she's yeah, just Megan's screams and, off and, and ducks out of the shot.
2: Um, Daniel just gets a normal, a normal stab. Yeah. We, we needed, we needed
1: special kills for both of them.
2: Yeah. But cause they set the bar really high with the groin, the groin butt stab
1: and Ty is fine right <laughs> like he's probably just drinking water next to yeah. the horse still
2: yeah yeah he, nothing bad happens to Ty. <laughs> that's and, weird that he survives and and we i guess we assume warren will survive his injuries
1: yeah i guess i mean if we didn't explicitly kill him then yeah it makes it seem like the point is supposed to be that he survived but i do like that uh that connie gets to like just go full ape shit on this guy at well, the yeah, end yeah she has an arc and, I, and, I wish there that we had seen more of it
2: yeah like it, that's more than most horror films have is that a character having any kind of arc right
1: yeah um but it what wasn't are we, enough yeah what are we thinking Letterboxed.
0: uh i didn't rank it very high uh i have it at 151 okay. out of what is it
1: 163
0: 63 uh it is below fantasies Wow. Uh, but above strange behavior. Wait,
1: is fantasy the one with Bo Derek yeah. on Greek <laughs> Island? Oh, my God. Below that?
0: Well, okay. So, like, in terms of rewatchability sure. for me, yeah, like.
1: there's not as many boobs in this.
0: I, I mean, <laughs> Bo Derek and the weird overdubbed Greek people, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it's amusing. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: That's true. There's a funny factor to that one. Oh.
2: Well, I have it pretty close to that because I have it at 152. But mine is below
1: Strange Behavior. Oh,
2: there you go. um, But above The Prowler.
1: Okay. Um, I have it at 118 because I loved it. (laughs) Um, That's just under Full Moon High and just above The Unseen. Our writer-director here was Jeff Lieberman. He also wrote and directed Squirm about the killer worms where lightning strikes the ground and worms come up and start killing a town. Yeah, just
2: like in Godzilla 98.
1: Yeah. Uh, We saw a poster for Squirm and Blowout. Uh, and later, he writes and directs Blue Sunshine, Remote Control, and Satan's Little Helper. And he wrote, but did not direct, Neverending Story 3. Lieberman considers this a personal favorite of his own films. Uh, the other writing credit was for Mark Arrowitz, who, not much else. Um, the story came from Jonas Middleton, not much else. The music here is from Brad Fidel. Yeah. Uh, Fidel has said that the ominous whistling in the score was a reference to Jonathan's rescue whistle. And many of the noises mixed into the track are actual... Digital remixes of his own voice, not unlike what Manfredini did with the Friday the thirteenth score.
2: Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, uh Brad Fidel like the, it was, like, the Terminator
1: yeah. theme song. Um, he's also the husband of Ann Dusenberry, who we've seen so far in Jaws 2, Heartbeat, and Cutter's Way, and he has composing credits on Fright Night, True Lies, Johnny Mnemonic, and probably most famously the Terminator score. <laughs> cinematographer Dean King. He doesn't have many other credits and he's probably related to the other cinematographer Joel King. I don't know if they're brothers or father and son or what. Uh, Joel is also a DP on the McDonald Land commercial series, uh, the ones that had like the mascot characters from from way back in the day. He later lights Frightmare, Club Life, and Street Gun. The editor here was Robert Q. Lovett, He previously cut The Taking of Pelham 123, The 1980 Running Scared that we've already covered on the show, and later Hammett, The Golden Seal, The Cotton Club, and A Bronx Tale. George Kennedy played Roy McLean. He appears in Charade, Flight of the Phoenix, The Dirty Dozen, Cool Hand Luke, for which he took home a Best Supporting Actor Oscar, and Earthquake, we've covered his work so far in Dirty Dingus McGee, Death Ship, Modern Romance where he played himself, Airport 77, Growing up, I knew him best for his comedic outings like Police Squad and the Naked Gun films. And his character Joe Petroni appears in all four airport movies, always played by Kennedy. Mike Kellen played Ty. We've seen him now in The Jazz Singer, So Fine, and Paternity. And later he's Mel in Sleepaway Camp. That's the guy who runs the whole camp. Chris Lemon played Jonathan. He was also in Airport 77 with George Kennedy and his own father, Jack Lemon. We've seen him now as Robbie Rotman in The Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood and Seems Like Old Times. He's possibly best known as Martin Brew Brewbaker in the Thunder in Paradise films and series. Greg Henry played Warren. This is a very early turn for Mr. Henry. Later he shows up in Scarface and Body Double for De Palma. The earliest I recall seeing him was in James Gunn's Slither in 2006. After that, he was Hugh Panada on 20 episodes of The Riches. He was in an episode of A&E's The Beast, and he works with James Gunn again as Detective Felkner in Super, and possibly most famously as Peter Quill's grandfather in the Guardians of the Galaxy films. Deborah Wilson played Constance. She was a USO girl in 1941. Ralph Seymour played Daniel. We've seen him so far as Zig in Underground Aces and Gosler in Backroads. Later, he's in Surf 2, Meatballs 2, Ghoulies 1, Fletch 1 as Creasy. And in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he is Francis's accomplice. Katie Powell played Mary Cat Logan. She was Mrs. Clean in Milk Money. John Hunsaker played Mountain Twins, so it was one guy playing both parts. He doesn't have many other credits I recognized, but apparently Richard Keel had auditioned for the part. Yeah. That'd be neat. Charles Bartlett played Vachel, not to be confused with the movie Charlie Bartlett. Yeah.
2: <laughs> as soon as I saw his name, I was like, why don't I know name Charles Bartlett? I was like, oh, that's of right.
1: Uh, he has additional voice credits in Jaws 4, Oliver, and Company, and he voices a cow in Babe and Babe 2. Jamie Rose played Megan. She was Vicky Hogan in 44 episodes of Falcon Crest, and she's Dee Dee in Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. I think that's everything for Just Before Dawn. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can find our socials at linktree slash vintagevideopod. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Whose Life Is It Anyway? which IMDB describes like so. Ken Harrison is an artist who makes sculptures. One day he's involved in a car accident and is paralyzed from the neck down. All he can do is talk, and he wants to die. In hospital, he makes friends with some of the staff, and they support him when he goes to trial to be allowed to die. We leave you now with the trailer for whose life is it anyway
0: you think i'll ever walk again no (laughs) regain the use of my arms no or my or my hands no you know that dinner dance next saturday i think we ought to tell them we'll be late (laughs) we seem to be out of the woods meaning i can resume my basketball career
1: No, I think you're a little too short for basketball. Cute. Thank
0: you.
2: You know, Miss Rodriguez, you promised me you wouldn't send any more cute ones in here.
0: Oh, you should have seen the one who was in here last night. After lights out, she snuck me out. We went skateboarding. Only trouble was I was the skateboard.
1: (laughs) Okay, I think we can start stepping up your physical therapy now.
0: To what purpose?
1: Are you comfortable, Miss D'Arison?
0: Rodriguez, you give great sheet.
1: Oh, I think a thing. A thing. Hey, hey, man, just yeah, need these toning up, you know. You know, I've
0: noticed you walking around this room, bending over me, examining my body. It's amazing how relaxed a woman can be when she's not in the presence of a man. He's beginning to realize what he's up against. When you were sculpting and things weren't coming out right, did you quit? No, I didn't. Oh, well, neither do I. There is a rumor going around that you don't want any more treatment. Because I don't want to go on living like this. He's gotten himself a lawyer. Threatens to sue unless we discharge him. I am not asking anyone to kill me. I'm only asking to be discharged. Mr. Harrison is not capable of making any rational decision about his life or his death. That is the question to be decided.
2: The ultimate question. In the human comedy whose life is it anyway the internationally celebrated drama acclaimed by new york and london audiences is now the motion picture event of the year starring academy award winner richard dreyfus and john cassavetes